When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey, this is Tony Harnell, and you're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. Rock is not dead. It's hiding, and you found it. This is Toby Wright, and you're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. Rock is not dead. It's hiding, and you just found it. Hey, this is Jason Beeler, and you're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. By the way, if you're playing with Cobras and Fire, it's highly dangerous, and I don't suggest it, at least not at home. Rock is not dead. It's hiding, and you have found it. and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Empire. It's Rockin' Pod 3, baby, and you know I brought all my sisters with me. I'm looking at you, Ian Wadley. Fire. My name is Baco, and I am not joined by anybody. I am all alone, and probably because Luz Cannon and I are not the brightest bulbs in the tree, because if we were, we would have actually recorded these intros when we were together in Nashville. I'm talking about Rock and Pod 3. I'm also a little hoarse from the weekend. We did a lot of interviews and a lot of yelling and a lot of talking with people uh, over loud music, so I'm going to try to keep this brief. But what you're about to hear today is the first part of our Rock and Pod coverage. Much like last year, part one is going to be all the interviews with the artists. Next week, part two will be focused on the podcast and the hosts that make these shows great. So today it starts off with Michael Sweet from Striper, of course. Uh, he, pretty much a regular guest at this point. And another former guest on the show, Tony Hornell, follows that. After that, we have a fabulous chat with Toby Wright about about records that he did that didn't involve Kiss. And one of the funnest chats I have had in my entire life was the conversation with Jason Beeler from Saigon Kick. I guarantee you're going to love all these interviews, but that one is going to uh, probably make you laugh more than the other two. 
And it all ends with the icon, the big four guy, the fellow Minnesotan and coffee lover. Uh, I'm talking about Dave Elvison from Megadeth. So uh, strap in because this is a long one, but it's it's worth it. And you're going to have a good time. I guarantee that. Before we get into it, though, there's a couple things I would like to mention. Is that like, and I, and I feel comfortable that that I can speak for Loose Cannon that we really appreciate everybody you know who who came to the expo uh, and, and came up and talked to us. People that like over the years have like you know we've got to meet and and, uh, and get to know a little bit, and people that chime in on the Cobras on Fire page quite a bit, and. So I want to take a second just to talk about some of those people that actually walked up and took, took the time to say hello. Look, we understand that not everybody can come to this thing. Uh, and and we also understand that if money were no object, a lot of you people would be there. And a lot of the people I'm going to be talking about are fans of so many other shows, of course. But I would like to take a second to at least acknowledge the time I spent with some of our listeners and how much I appreciated that. I'm talking about guys like... Forgive me, it's really hard to talk right now. (laughs) I'm going to apologize right now, though, because I guarantee I'm going to miss some people because there was just too many to remember. So please, uh, you feel free to message us, go on our Cobras and Fire group and and post something if for some reason uh, you felt uh, slighted here because it wasn't intentional and you definitely deserve credit. It was just a joy to talk to all of you. Uh, One of the people that I'm going to mention first, I didn't even actually see there, Chris Fretwell. I, he, he apparently was there because he commented on something. Uh, Chris, uh, I, I love that the fact that you like to troll my personal page with a lot of political conspiracy crap. Uh, but, but even more so, I like the fact that the, the times you chime in and, and, and join the group and talk about the show uh, more than anything else. I met a guy through Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I believe he, he came up to me after their, their live performance and I'm pretty sure if I if I understood him right, he heard about us through Rock and Metal Combat. And so thank you, Ian and Ralph. Of course, you guys are my boys. And I, you know we appreciate all the love and respect you've given us. It, it, but but that aside, uh, this guy Nathan Lewis, uh, they call him TikTok, he, he, we had a really fascinating conversation. And I really just... I mean, he basically melted my heart talking about like uh, how the shows he'd been listening to, but he's he's just getting into it now. So welcome aboard, Nathan. I hope you stick around. David Kathy, I am so happy that you're, you're feeling good and and you're you're up walking around and healthy. Uh, uh, I don't. I hopefully I'm not violating HIPAA laws here, but I know you had a bit of a health health scare. Uh, some serious health issues, anyway, uh, with your back uh, uh, somewhere during the the last year. It really uh, melted the cockles of Baco to hear that uh, we were one of the shows that that uh, help you bide time and and kind of get through all that. So uh, uh, good to good to find. I think we've met in the past, but we actually spent some time talking this year. Uh, Bill Elam, same thing. I know I saw you last year, but uh, you've kind of come on uh, as a really strong con- uh, contributor to the Cobras on Fire page. Thank you for that. It was lovely to meet you and your daughter. Uh, Jay Zabluski, a fucking firecracker of a human being. I met him last year for the first time as, as like, he just wanted to come up and say, I listen to your show, oh, and then ran away. Uh, this guy is 900 years old and moves faster than uh, a, a, a kangaroo. Is that a, is our kangaroos fast? I'm going with it. 
Uh, David Glenn, finally we met. Uh, David came out. and David, For those of you that don't know, David is a Decibel Geek writer, just like myself and Luz. So, so, so getting a chance to talk to him was uh, much appreciated. Sean Cullen, always a pleasure. You know I love you, bro. Uh, I, I'm glad that we actually finally, at the very end, at like 11 o'clock at night to, to 2 in the morning, got to hang out and uh, and, and spend some time together because uh, I love you, brother. Andy Shaw, thank you for the ride to the airport. Thank you for being just one of the nicest people I know. Andy Shaw lives in the Twin Cities with me, and he is a perspective podcaster coming forward. We'll see if that ever comes uh, to fruition. Kevin Williams, we met for the first time last year. We spent much more time talking then than we did this year, but I, I, it was still good to, to catch up with you and see you. But I, thank you for the beer, first of all. But I, I wanted you to know that I did notice that you actually had two more vests, so keep it up, buddy. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to anybody that took time to buy me a beer. I don't know how Loose Cannon did, did on that thing, but uh, I had at least a half dozen people say, Baco, can I buy you a beer based on our Bias a Beer campaign? So uh, thanks for all that. So that, that, that was actually pretty impressive just because it chimed into our show. With all that said, Rockin' Pod 3 was a huge success. And uh, just like uh, the, the prior year, uh, bigger and better and kept going. And I want to thank Chris Sinzak for uh, including this and all this stuff. Uh, It's too bad if you couldn't come uh, because you missed out on a great time. And we all had a blast. So, and, and Luz Cannon was actually there. So, unlike Pete from the I Live It Loudcast, people know my co-host actually exists as a human being. But it was actually also never questioned. Anyway, with all that said. Thank you, everybody, in the podcast community for embracing us. We have part two coming up next week, like I said earlier. And thank you, everybody, for who's listening even right now, even if you couldn't make it to Nashville. And thank you, Chris and Zach, not just for including Copers and Fire in this event, but for all the help and all the positivity you've basically added to my life. I really appreciate that. But, yeah, it's a wonderful event, and, and you do a great job. So thank you there. And since we're talking about Decibel Geek, thank you, Aaron Camaro, for driving us around. People, Aaron Camaro drove me and Loose Cannon around in a Camaro. How cool is that? You can have it, man. <laughs> I bet. Um, it'll, it'll make me speak a little better. Okay. You grab my phone. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know, I know you do a lot of interviews, but uh, so I'm going to help you out. Hopefully, I can remind you that you've been on our show twice. I uh, saw the name, and I'm like, yes. Okay. Uh, you've been a, uh, a very popular guest on our program, really? so appreciate for coming back. Yeah, you're, you're very candid and frank, and I, I am, man. You, you I can take a joke. Be- I, I don't want to go through life, you know, being anything other than honest. Yeah. And, you know, the, the problem with that is you tick people off <laughs> when you're honest. But you know what? Do you want me to lie and give you something else? I, I don't want to leave this world knowing that I was dishonest. So 
I am very candid and I just speak my mind and I try to do it, you know, uh, with humility and, and to be, be nice and respectful about it, but yet just give my opinion in a, in a true way. Right on. Uh, yeah, and uh, as I say, what do you think about this this setup? I mean, from last night, you had a pretty good I backing band. I think it's band. pretty darn awesome, Soldiers man. On it's command. very cool. I love it. And this is the third year? Third year. It's, it's, we really appreciate you being involved in it, too, because it's oh. all, like, just fans put together. I love it, man. I love it. And it's really great, you know, because there aren't a lot of outlets like this. Not a lot of things going on that are, you know, on this level. Right. Doing it like this, which is really cool. And um, to be able to have a combination of the fans and the bands and the artists and the music, the live music, which is cool. uh, And interviews and podcasts. And I'm really really thrilled to be a part of it, man. I appreciate it. So... Well, I, new album, right? Yeah, new album ten. Uh, I saw the pre-order start. So, do we have a release date yet? Uh, October eleventh or October tenth or eleventh? Okay, yeah. I'm we looking forward look to hearing that it. Up. It's, okay. it's, I'll look that up. I'll look it up while you're talking, uh, but uh, <laughs> I gotta, yeah, so, so I, I don't give the out. wrong date. But uh, yeah, it's it's coming out. It's on Rat Pack. On Rat Pack, and I'm really really excited about it. Uh, October eleventh. Okay. Release date. Right on. All right. Will there be physical vinyl as well? Physical uh, CD, of course. Sure, vinyl. Sure. We're doing vinyl packages oh, cool. uh, at ratpack.com. And a really killer, like a green uh, swirled speckle. Oh, it, nice. It's killer looking. Cool. And uh, it's there's 11 tracks on the album. Or 12, 12 tracks. I got to get my information right, man. Uh, 12 tracks, and there's basically a different guitar player on every song. And what it is, is it's a list of guitar players that I go and watch on YouTube that I love. Cool. Joe Holkstra, Andy James. You didn't call me. (laughs) There's a video of me playing guitar somewhere on YouTube. (laughs) Yeah, the rundown who's on there. There's some big names. Andy, uh, excuse me, Andy James, Jeff Loomis, Gus G, Marzi Montazari, Joe Holkstra, Ethan Broche, Mike Kerr. Uh, I've got uh, Rich Ward of Fozzie, who's very underrated. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am, yeah. yeah. Killer player. Uh, Howie Simon. I don't know if you're familiar with Howie. No. Uh, he's, uh, he's an incredible player. He actually sat in and stepped in with Striper when Oz was sick. Okay. Great I, then I saw him live. Okay. He's great. Yeah. Killer. But it's, it's just an eclectic mix of all these guys, man. Uh, who are just shredding on this? It's a shred album. Yeah. I mean, in terms of solos. Right on. Uh, and it's 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 a great follow up to One Side of War. Very similar musically. Okay. But it goes up a notch or two with all these players. You know, I really like that song. Is it Radio? Is that what it's called on One Side of War? The, I'm gonna write a country song. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that too. That was my jab at. I'm like, it, no, I'm Chris Farley. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that man. <laughs> Yeah, that You'll was great. I love that that skit, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, about that song, I, I decided I was going to write a song kind of poking fun at all the guys. And it's pretty funny sometimes. And, and I'm poking fun at myself, Yeah. too, because I, I did a song that you was country. You have some self-deprecation to your yeah. humor. Yeah. The difference with me and a lot of other guys is I grew up in country. I was playing on my dad's country sessions. My dad had a number one country song in 79. <laughs> so I really, those are my roots, believe it or not. But that being said, it's pretty funny sometimes when you see some of these guys who try to go country. Yeah. I mean, sure. I, the like, fans know what's real and what's not. We all know you're not. talking about the singer from Stained. <laughs> 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 
I didn't say that. Yeah, no, he absolutely not. But you, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I do. Some of it works. Sometimes it works. Yeah. But most of the time, it just doesn't work. Yeah. And, and imagine if, uh, who's the guy on uh, uh, The Voice, country guy? Big, oh, big, uh, Blake, Blake Edward, Blake, Blake Shelton. Shelton. Okay. Imagine if two years from now, country wasn't so popular. Sure. And then Blake's doing a metal album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> would, you, would you buy that? No. Would you think this is I real? I would buy his country album. <laughs> I, would have, I would get it just for comedy. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's really good. It's yeah. got to be the real deal yeah, or, or uh, don't do authentic. it. Authentic. Authentic. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I... I w- Go. Go. No, jump. In, their, in our conversations, I've kinda, I kind of stayed away intentionally just because it's not that big of an importance as far as me, but... I th- actually, you, you had a comment recently, and I'm going to paraphrase, so I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Something along the lines of, you don't like something, some bands using the label Christian rock. And I wonder if you could elaborate on that, because we have some thoughts as far as questions for you regarding that. I don't like the label Christian rock. Just as a blanket statement? Not you weren't calling out any bands? I think it's cheesy. Okay. It's corny. <laughs> it's silly. It's like you're either rock or you're not. Why, why, why are you Christian rock? Because you sing about God? So does that make you know, Slayer satanic rock? Are we going to put a label on Slayer? Well, they're called satanic. <laughs> yeah, but, but they're not when you go to a record store. No, no, right. right. Oh, I well, got gotcha. you. There's not, there's there's not a, there's not a, a category in the back of the oh, store that yes. says, sat- oh, all the satanic rock's back there. <laughs> That's why I, think it's, I just think it's corny. This is a, this is a, I had no idea where you are going with it. That's great. I actually love that. Well, uh, there is no satanic rock. There, there's no satanic rock category in a record store or online. You go genre. You go on iTunes and sure. look. Look where Slayer. It'll say rock or metal. It's not going to say satanic metal. Yeah. It, yeah, it, good point. It's, it's yeah. just silly to me. It's like, why, why, why have all these labels? I feel like labels take away from what you're trying to do. Yeah. They have for Striper. In yeah. the sense that they limit what we're trying to do. It was a big part of your of, of your initial push, though, right? When the band started. Well, no, it still is. I mean, see, that's the confusion. People think because I say something like that, that I'm denouncing Christ, or I'm denouncing like that, my but I faith. I think you do make a good point. Um, no, you're talking about the, the labels. Yeah, just just the fact that you have to be segregated, almost. Exactly. And, and with okay. that too, though, but the we, the thing we have an issue with is when they actually use it for marketing. Bands like Skillet. And need to breathe, yes, and stuff like that. Where yeah. I'm like, my my wife, for example, will put on a mix, yeah, something like that, and skill will come up. And I'm like, what's yeah. this? I know. How is this even? I'm like, they. I seriously think it was just like, well, we can market ourselves better. We'll get into that. There's no so that's question. I, okay, you agree on There's, that? There's, I completely agree on that. Yeah. And, and I I know bands. I I won't name those bands, but I know bands that tried for years to get a deal in mainstream rock, right. and they couldn't. And they, then they got a Christian deal and released a Christian album. Right. And then you're on the special That's where it becomes, it becomes almost a mockery. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And am I, I'm not the only one that thinks that. Well, no, no. I mean, plenty. No, I guess. I, I don't know. What, I don't That's have another library. We'd like to know your opinion on this. So. Yeah, no, totally. And see, we're, the difference with Striper, not that we're better or worse or, you know, above anybody. It's just that when we started out, we were a rock band, and right. we became Christians. Right. And we continued down that path of being who we were, but we rewrote the lyrics and the message. Okay. But we still remain Striper. The same Striper you saw in the clubs, the look, the sound. Yeah. We did not sit down and say, okay, let's be a Christian band now and right. change everything. We can't look like that because that's over the top and we're going to lose followers and we can't do this. We, we just stayed who we were and stayed true to ourselves. 
you know, and we still do to this day. I mean, like we have an album called Goddamn Evil. Most Christian bands probably wouldn't release an album called right. Goddamn Evil. <laughs> they would say, well, that's going to alienate our fan base. We did it because we felt led to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I and do. we follow our hearts and what we feel comfortable doing. I think Walmart like, didn't like it either. So. Oh, they hated it. <laughs> I, I think it's uh, similar to the whole thing with the country thing. Like yes. People can see through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? A Most people, people can. Most people can, but it's just the same thing as like, you, you got to be real. And totally. You've because had the longevity. You can see that. Fans can see that, whether it's music or movies or a TV show. Yep. We're all smart enough to know what's real yep. and what's not. Yeah. Right. And, you know, if you're not being real, man, stop doing it. Go get another job. <laughs> I know you had limited time with us. The, you want to talk about the Pledge Music? Can we want to know, like, what do you see as the you, next You had some outlet. comments, but you never worked with Pledge Music, right? I did. Oh, That's oh okay. That's why I had those comments. I worked with Pledge Music twice. Yeah. I, it was a horrible experience both times. Yeah. How many years ago was this very uh, recent? One time was with the Sweet and Lynch Project, and another time yeah, was with, uh, what was it, uh, Striper Project, I believe. I just felt like it was so unnecessary. All they did was mess up the pre-orders, yep. and when it was time to send them out, they were late. Uh, they didn't get uh, sent in properly to sound scan, so we missed out on first-week numbers, which is okay. really, all right. that's what it's all about yeah, is the first-week right. numbers. Right. Of course. For a, for a band like us these days, so they dropped the ball in many ways. Really nice people working there. I'm not I, nothing against the people that work there, but man, I just thought it was a complete waste, yeah. waste of time and effort, and and they took a big piece of the pie for nothing. Yeah, and they also the fans blame the bands when you don't get. Your of stuff. course, you know of course I mean? they like, do. I had a thing where I did a pre-order. Doesn't matter what band, but but I got mine three weeks after. You, somebody could go get I it. I know, in the store, man. You know what I mean. And the first thing you think is, ah, the band. You know, because yeah, I I read exactly. all the comments from people. Yep, right. Hey, dude. You know, I never got your shirt. What's up with you, man? What's your problem? It's like, <laughs> uh, I I'm not a merch guy. <laughs> That's right. I don't know. I dropped it off at the post office two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I don't deal with merch. <laughs> hey, here, let me pull up your tracking number. <laughs> no, but the fans get caught in a tif- difficult exactly. spot. It, right. it, it, the artists are, are caught between it. It's just a bad situation. I know. And it's too bad because it would. You know, in theory, it was it was a really good thing. Totally. You know, conceptually, anyway. In theory, it was a good thing, and it probably started out being a good thing. But man, the, the two experiences I had were really bad. Yeah. yeah. Almost nightmarish, and uh, <laughs> man, I and I vowed never to work the pledge ever again. Okay. And 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 then lo and behold, yeah. they're no more. Right. Yeah. I wonder why. Yeah. yeah. But. Hey. <laughs> Uh, well, the album is ten. Yes, yep. uh, and you, you you told us on the last time you were on that's uh, from the Ten Commandments. Yes, okay. it's it's the tenth album, tenth solo album. Yeah, which is really kind of weird. And I'm including a demo album that I released okay. called Unstriped. A little bit of a push. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I'm including that. Fudging so the numbers. If you include that, it's the tenth <laughs> tenth solo album, and the title track is based on the Ten Commandments. Right on. Cool. It's powerful. That's with Rich Ward, Richard Ward of Fozzie. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He killed it. Wait till you hear it. Are you going to tour at all or solo? If I don't, man, I should go to jail because that's, <laughs> that should be a crime. I, I have to put together a band yeah. and go out and tour. The tricky part is Striper's the priority. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, I can't keep putting that on the shelf. Right. Because I haven't toured since 2001. 
Oh. So we're talking about, we're, com- we're approaching 20 years. So I got to get out. I want to put together some killer solo songs and also include a few Striper songs, but include some Sweet and Lynch songs, too. You know? Right on. Well, that, that would help. Uh, that would uh, touch my heart quite a bit. I'm a big fan of the first record, especially. But, Absolutely. Uh, no, dude, those are great albums. And, you know, if I can't do it with George, I'll do it with Joe Holkstra or somebody else. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, um, they're telling us our time is yes. up. Thank you so much. The third uh, hey, guest, brother. third time guesting on our show. You are awesome. Uh, and you and the best awesome. of luck. And thank you again for taking part in this. Uh, of course, man. Anything you, you want to pitch to us? Well, just uh, you guys already know about the new solo album coming out. And the Striper starting on a new album. Mm-hmm. Uh, end of this year, end of next year. Goddamn happy. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no. We're going to do something. We're going to do something totally in typical Striper form. Yeah. Totally unexpected. And, you know... Uh, It'll surprise people. All right. Well, thank you again so much for your time. You Enjoy yourself today. You, and great job last night. Thanks, brother. Just a jam. All right. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys. You bet.
Well, I, I, were you, you've been on our show before. I don't know if you recall. Yeah. Uh, um, back in uh, January, just before the Starbreaker yes, record I came out. Yes, I believe I recall because Blabbermouth picked it up and ran with some shit on that one. So. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what the, I don't remember what the headline was, though. It was about Skid Row always. Oh. Yeah. It's always about that. Speaking about Skid Row, any chance I'm going to get you to elaborate any more this time? He gave me nothing. You know, I will... Well, you know, the main reason this is, uh, I'm sure you know the main reason they have an issue with Sebastian. That they do? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've known Sebastian for many years. I don't know their, their drama. And honestly, just like every, every I don't want, uh, are you, are we, are we, yeah. Oh, of course. No, I just I just think it's because he didn't return Tupperware. It's a pet peeve of mine. That'd be awesome. That'd be the best rock and roll story if that was true. That was it. Now we'll get the, uh, the silliness out of the way. Yeah. Let's talk about you. What's going on? Yeah. Um, I Well, Starbreaker came out in January, and it did really well. It got great reviews. Um, I have since been writing a lot and preparing the, for the next chapter. Yeah. I have another record coming out in December called Love Killers on Frontiers, yeah. which is very different from Starbreaker. Uh, it is Lover Kill I, Love I Killers. Lo- Lover Killer. Love, Love Killers. killers. Uh, Rocco. Is- <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man. <laughs> well earned. Uh, uh, Lo- Love Killers is that a? That's not a solo. That's a band. It's a project. It's, it's says a feature okay. project. Okay. It's, I, I actually didn't even write a lot of the songs on this one. It's it's a much softer record than the Starbreaker album. So where that was more metal, this is more. Um, they like to call it AOR over in Europe. Yeah. I kind of hate that term, but. Uh. Um, but going back to the Starbreaker thing, I know that kind of got caught up in that pledge music mess. How, how did that get resolved? Or I do, actually don't know. I guess it did. I yeah. guess it got resolved. Yeah, because yeah, the really, record did come out. What's that? Yeah, the record did come it out. It did come yeah. out, and I think they got everybody their their albums or their money. Okay. I hope. Yeah. 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 Well, it sucks for everybody involved, you know, because the artist kind of gets put in a bad spot with the the fans, and they're they're always gonna try to blame somebody so it's a real shame because uh i knew benji who started pledge from the very beginning i went and met with him uh at the when he launched it great guy so i think he had sold it to other people Mm -hmm. and that's when things started to okay that's at least what i have heard you are the best (laughs) um so you know what can I say? I mean, it's a great idea. I hope that they rise again and do what they did because I hope that didn't tarnish them too badly. Yeah. Because it's a great platform. It what I did a great, a very successful um, project with them for the uh, Wildflowers with Bumblefoot that I did. Okay, that was through uh, that Pledge. Was with Pledge, Pledge, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just such a shame because it's just that the music industry is everybody has their challenges. There was one very original way that you can support artists yeah and now it went it went evil yeah I mean what I liked about it was you could set however much you were trying to raise and, and the world didn't need to know how much that was so like um, um, Kickstarter you yeah. have to put the amount on there yep. I think it turns people off to see the amount but when they don't know and they just see the percentages rising it's a yeah. way cooler way to do it yeah yeah that's a good point um, I, I hear you're going to Australia coming up here. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. I might not come back. Yeah. I mean, I've been a you know, I grew up surfing in San Diego, okay. so I'm 
really excited about that. Uh, what is what is a melodic rock fest? Do I have that right? Uh, uh, it's melodic rock fest. Yeah. Um, is it a fan of you, you or us? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. It's hard to tell because they're all wide angle now. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, I'm going to go with you, but that's uh, so why I'd be the one taking a picture of that. But it's pointing it that way. Yeah. Um, and she wanted a picture of Rocco. <laughs> This is going to be something that gets dropped in all the time now. Um, <laughs> all good. You just moved to Nashville when we last talked. How's it going? It's going great. Yeah, you um, like it? I do. I'm settling in. It's yeah, it's mm-hmm. going well. Yeah. So a lot of people are starting to connect with. Yeah, I, I had a lot. I still have. I had and have, still have a lot of work outside of Nashville that I have to, whether it be Europe or, you know, a lot of projects going on. So. I'm just starting to get my feet on the ground here, and it's, it's, yeah. I've been really, as I was in the very beginning, always very well received here. People are so friendly and so warm, so. Do you ever get out and uh, do any, like, kind of solo acoustic performances locally here? Or? I will, but I don't want to saturate it that way. Yeah. So, you know, um, it's such a rich, vibrant uh, music scene that I just want to, I want to really explore um, more of the writing Mm-hmm. and songwriting with people because there's so many great writers here and yeah. uh, take advantage of that. And when I do play, I want it to be special. I don't want to yeah. wear it out where it's, oh, Tony lives here, so he just like, plays all the time. You know? <laughs> Who's that? Oh, it's just Tony Arnell again. But, yeah. Uh, uh, a ballpark. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you know, is there any special technique uh, to keep your voice? You know, it, it still sounds... Yeah, don't tour. Just don't what? Don't tour. Okay, <laughs> I don't tour a lot. Okay. That's not perfect by choice. All right, you've heard it here. If you don't, if you want a great singing voice, don't tour. No, perfect. Um, <laughs> no, I took care of it. You know, I did, and I always, I, I had a great teacher. I started with when I was 18 years old. My mom was an opera singer, so I know her. Uh, you know her her regiment and and her. Um, she was just very very. She was a good person for me to have in my life early on, you know, help me just know when to rest it. That's a big thing that singers don't usually understand. Like, right now I'm talking all day and I have to sing a song tonight. I'm like, it's in the back of my mind, you right. know? Yeah. <laughs> right on. Uh, I forgot where I was going. Cause I, oh, I, I just had a dumb joke about the Kid Rock Honky Tonk. I don't think it matters. Uh, <laughs> you could do it. What's the tour you got coming up in Norway? Uh, it was. Uh, I wrote it down. Ten thousand miles to go. Ten thousand miles to go. Uh, it's a. It's the first time I'm, I'm going to be doing a storyteller show. So uh, basically, um, and and it's 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 actually coming together really beautifully. It's it's uh, it's basically taking you as quickly as you can. You you have ninety minutes. Yeah. It's not a long time. Right. Seventy-five to ninety minutes. It's it's really not uh, to fit songs in. And maybe get like three to five minutes of a story in, um, but I'm getting as I'm trying to compress it the best I can. My yeah. life and all the different areas of it, and get the beginning. The thing so is, you're going to you know, touch on all your bands, all your well, projects. No, or? Uh, because it's in Norway. The focus will be my life and TNT. Okay. And the thing about it is, we were so enormous there that. As an American singer, I'm being, and I'm being inducted into the yeah. Popular Music Hall Congratulations. of Famous, uh, on the 16th of September, which is really I'm the only American that's going to be in there. So they'll be um, so they they know my voice over there. They know me. Yeah. They know, but they don't really know me. So this sh- this show I'm doing is sort of um, a way to connect d- on a deeper level to the yeah. audience. Yeah. Uh, now are you going to be touring with a band or just yourself with a guitar or? It's me and a guitar. 
Right on. Are you going to maybe shoot this for your American fans to check it out? Or? Well, this the first leg of this um, is really just to kind of get it all, get it going. Yeah. And then we're probably going to go back and do more of it. So, uh, and that's when I'll perhaps. Right on. Yeah, I would definitely be, enjoy sitting through something yeah. like that. Um, Me too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just like the fact that people are starting to do this more, like John Karabi kind of does this now too with a storyteller, so... It's yeah, I mean, a lot of people do acoustic shows, yeah. and a lot of people are, are some people, I should say, are good at it. Um, it's an art form in itself. I started doing them a long time ago. I started doing them, I was inspired in New York City by the smaller venues and seeing my, my, more, my younger singer-songwriter friends roll into these kind of, uh, you know, what should I say? Exclusive, really cool um, little venues, and and you know, I realize watching them, it's not easy. So I wanted to do it as another to add another aspect and to challenge myself because getting on stage in front of a lot of people with a lot of lights and a lot of sound is is something I know how to do. Um, when you when you strip it down and you, you're more naked, um, you know, you, you you have to be. It's a challenge, and I wanted that challenge, and I got, I, I actually, over time, I got really good at it, and uh, so I'll have to warm up and, and get good at it again. It, 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 uh, strips, it shows you how strong a song is when you strip it down like that. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. When I first did it, and I started stripping down all the TNT stuff, I realized some of the songs that I had to choose very different songs than what you would think. It was very hard for me to make the big hits sound cool yeah it was much easier with a lot of a lot of guitar pyrotechnics uh, from uh, Ronnie but, you almost have but, to translate but, back yeah, right? yeah but in the 80s so much of the song was production okay and the you know yeah there were bands with great songs you had uh, you had Def Leppard you know which yeah. undeniably great songs you had Guns N' Roses and and Michael's wife um <laughs> And, uh, but in my opinion, this is so distracting, by the way. Yeah. In, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> um, it was, a lot of it was based on production. Yeah. And so when you strip this stuff down and you take all the production away, sometimes there's not much of a song there. Yeah. Uh, so you do, you, okay, you, you actually found songs like, wow, they're really... Nothing I can do with that. Not but. lame, but wow, they, it just doesn't. It doesn't. There's not a lot to it without, sure. without the production and the guitars and the and the harmony vocals and so I. But the surprising, beautiful part of this was I found a lot of songs that maybe didn't translate very well with a big production that sounded better stripped down. Oh, right on. Yeah. Uh, no, this is your first time at Rock and Pod. What do you think? I mean, uh, you, well, I, I've done two interviews. I, I performed last night. I'm already overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> this is pretty cool. I mean, Chris puts all this. It's all. I don't know how much you know about it, but it, it was crowdfunded the first two years. Uh, you know, just by podcast listeners. Um, it's very DIY. It's all about supporting rock and roll, and um, you know, not just the past, but pushing stuff forward a little bit. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and you, of course, are the winner of the Tony Harnell Cosplay Contest. Uh, That's right. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. 
I forgot about hey, that. You, you, Who did I beat? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Steelheart guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. I like it. Steelheart guy. <laughs> no, Rocco. Uh, yeah. We really appreciate you taking your time and, and being part of this community. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'd love to have you back on when the uh, Love Love Killer comes out. Love Killers. Okay, I'll learn the name better by then.
Uh, I'm practicing to be a DJ. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so, so here's so here's the deal. Uh, today we're going to talk about nothing but Carnival Souls. That's Just cool. kidding. <laughs> Wee! I gotta go. <laughs> I know that's a one oh, thing. Have like, you been asked about the record before? Uh, <laughs> By this group of people? Yes. Once. Yeah, yes, once. once. About that, yeah. Once is too many. Uh, <laughs> that's right. No, we're gonna, um, I intentionally get, pulled up everything I could find as far as what you did, just because I know you've done so many records, and it was going to be faster than going through my CD collection. But Right, right, yeah, right. So, you can always find me at tobyrightmusic.com, where I have a whole list. Gotcha. Yep. <laughs> and, well, um, I guess... One of the questions would be, you know, probably one of the last rock, great movie soundtracks as far as rock is Last Action Hero. Now, which was first in my memory? Was Did you work with them on that soundtrack for those two songs? Because it says produced by Alice in Chains, but I don't think that's accurate. And on the actual album, it doesn't it, have it, your name. It's technically accurate oh. um, that it was produced by Alice in Chains. Um, and that was pre-Jar of Flies. That's where I right. thought the timeline was. Yes. Right. Okay. So that that's the timeline on that. I was brought in to you know I was begging their A and R guy at the time um, to please let me work with this band. I love this band. They're amazing. I can help them. They can help me. We'll right. have a great symbiotic relationship. He gave me a shot to record those two songs. Okay. Um, a little bitter and what the hell have I? Yep. Um, and so we went in with the movie people and we recorded them and the movie people. You know, it was just a big fiasco with those two guys um, because they really didn't know music and or study this band. Right. Um, so, but well, we I mean, had, it's kind of a disconnect because it's a wacky movie and not a good Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Right, with, bad with a great movie. soundtrack. Right. Hard One of the rock. best soundtracks, I think. I, absolutely, you know, yeah. It was I mean, really original, cool. Two original songs by Alice in Chains on a soundtrack? Right. I was like, what? That one and Judgment Night stick out to me as ones that I've actually yeah, that's gone right. to. Cool too. Yeah. Right. I like yeah, Judgment Night as well. Yeah, but so, you know, we went in and, you know, just did our thing. And, um, you know, then it came out and uh, I guess, pardon me, um, Andy Wallace mixed it to begin with. um, And then later on, toward the, you know, toward the end there, um, they asked me to remix because they didn't like it. And that's why I got Jar of Flies, because they didn't like Andy's mixes on those two songs. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I... Did he mix for Dave Jordan before, too? I, I was, I was don't just curious because so. they were with him for the first two right. albums. I think they were yeah. with Jordan, and then you know after Dirt, um, right? You know that kind of turned around for okay. whatever reason. Gotcha, gotcha. So then the next part would be with with that situation. So they, that was kind of like your test. Right, kind of, right, right. Okay, right. I would say that. Sure. Yeah. I asked what it was like in the studio with them because they had a kind of a turbulent history with drugs and stuff. Was it, you know, and, and Lane is an amazing singer, and, and uh, Jerry, of course, a killer guitar player. Right. Was there? Did it come together easy? Was there any kind of any issues that you kind of had to deal with to get the thing done related, <laughs> related to their, their their personal issues? Um. You know, I never saw any of the personal stuff yeah you know i heard about it and it was like okay um but i just you know i dealt with i chose to deal with the music and because that's what i was hired to do okay um you know as far as personal lives and all that kind of stuff some of it intermingled um but at the same time i just you know i wanted to steer clear of all that and and you know get to the heart of what i was hired to do which was make great music with them right and so was there hard days and easy days you know to pull stuff out of people sure 
you know, just depended on the day. You know, some days were really easy and right. some days were really hard. You know, it just depended on the day. That was the first record with the Ines. Do I have that right? Yeah. Okay. So, like with Jar of Flies, though, kind of the story that I've heard is that it was, you went in for something, there was like a studio time booked, but it wasn't intentionally to make like SAP Part 2, right? It just kind of... It wasn't right. That, that it wasn't for like SAP Part 2, like it, it t- kind of turned into something different, those sessions? Or was it always a conscious effort to, well, we're going to do another acoustic yeah, EP? Yeah, their, their history, if you look at their history, was EP, album, right. EP, Which album, awesome. EP, album. Right. Right. And the EPs were always acoustic, right? right. So, you know, uh, they were at the end of the uh, Lollapalooza tour. Um, yep. And Jerry called me up and said, hey, man, you know, you want to do an EP with us? After I had done What the Hell Have I and, and okay, A Little Bitter, okay. right? Gotcha. They went out on that big tour. He called me from Australia, and I said, yeah, I'd love to do an EP with you guys. You know, okay, meet us in Seattle. I said, hey, man, can you send me some, you know, you have any songs? He goes, yeah, I got a bunch of them. You know, and I was like, cool. Right. And uh, so, you know, I, we went up there. We all met in the studio. I said, hey, how about, you know, playing me some of those songs right now? This he is said, where I, I got it right. Yeah. Funny thing about that, I don't have any. That's right? what I thought, yeah. And so, you know, I and he said, hey, do you mind if we jam for the next 10 days? Because we had 10 days of studio time booked. And so it was written, arranged, produced, recorded, and mixed in 10 days. Yeah, that's that's the that, that's the version that I got And it convoluted. was the first EP yep. to ever debut at number one. Yeah. I got to tell you, that one, it's amazing that that happened because they never leave my playlist. It's just a great, you know, you just put it in, it transcends hard rock, and it's just... My God, um, and they had nothing written. That's that's pretty incredible. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it was amazing to me to this day that all of they that happened. You know what I yep. mean? It was just, just stuff happens, you know, and, and on a whim, and that we just, you know, the 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 thing in the room, you know, the the vibe in the room was that, you know, and Jerry and I had discussed it was that if something happens with this, cool. If we don't release it, that's cool, too. At right. least we all had fun. Yeah, exactly. And that cool. was that was it, you know? Yeah. So when you go into it with that kind of a mindset, you can't go wrong. Nope. You know what I mean? If you're like, we're going to make the first EP to ever debut at number one, you'll <laughs> never fucking hit your mark. No. Never. No. <laughs> I wonder if that yeah. sentence has ever been phrased before. Like, like, yes, exactly. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. uh, Divine Intervention by Slayer. Wasn't Rick Rubin still kind of saying I produced everything at that time, or am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, he was, I was hired as the engineer, um, and the guy to capture everything, Um, and then it became quite apparent when he didn't show up at the studio a lot, um, that, you know, (laughs) the band and I were producing the record. Okay. And so we rallied him to say, hey, dude, you know, look, we're, we're actually doing all this production work, you're helping, but not to the extent that, you know, and this was between them and him. Yeah. Um, you know, because they were signed to him, period, right? And so, you know, that's between them and him. We rallied, and, you know, uh, we ended up with co-production credits. Okay. So Rick, Rick it's Rubin. It's the worst Slayer record, by the way. Sorry to hear that. I think it's one of their best. That's uh, a good record. Uh, Rick Rubin. Uh, okay, there you go. How would you rate Rick Rubin as a napper on a as couch? A, what? a napper, guy that takes naps on a couch? I don't know. I didn't no? see him very much. Oh, that, that's what I've heard. He <laughs> takes naps on the couch when he's when he's uh, in the what, studio. He, he's an incredible mind. Oh my god! Yeah, and, and he carves. Some, and 
There's so many albums Some I of have. The shit that he does. Sure. I wish I had had that touch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just you know, like Johnny Cash is probably one of my favorite right. ever, forever. Um, that Take he's it. done. That you know is just freaking amazing. You know, there you you couldn't have caught that man at a better time, right? Space and and the whole thing. You know. Oh yeah. I love the the Red Voodoo record. Um, yep. And that, that era of Sammy, those he had like one or two, three records right after Van Halen. That I think were really good. Right. Um, what can you tell us about working in the on that album? Oh, just amazing working with that guy. I love them. I still do. I mean, I think that you know his his departure from Van Halen and all all the Van Halen, uh, you know, David Lee Roth stuff and all that kind of it don't matter. Uh, you know, I look at a performer as a performer. And yeah. he's actually one of the best. He's an amazing guitar player. He's a kick-ass singer. It's all about vibe, you know, and I think that he just brings it, you know, wherever he goes. And, you know, I've, I've seen him several times at shows and this, that, and, you know, he, he's just a stand-up dude. There's so much color and shape to the songs on that record as it goes through. Uh, a lot of different styles, but it all meshes and melds really well. Right. Uh, I mean, the title track is one of my favorite songs of his, uh, Red Voodoo. Yeah, but, me too. Uh, me too. But, uh, yeah, so I, I would have loved to have been there, but you, you didn't call. He didn't inter- Yeah, he didn't call and invite you. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a blast working that record. That was fun. Did he uh, make you any Wabaritas? Uh, no, but he was just coming <laughs> out with the, uh, what was it, uh, which tequila was it? Wabo, Wabo Cabo Wabo. Yeah, yeah. Cabo Wabo tequila well, the at that, of that time. Had uh, the recipe for a Wabarita. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and because uh, I remember he was, we were talking about him, you know, them doing a show and it being like a restaurant on stage and they were going to serve Wabaritos. And, yeah. you know, he's like, man, you got to come over and, you know, just sit on stage while we do this show. And, you know, unfortunately it never happened, but it, you know, it, it was fun to, to think about, you know. I got to tell you, I actually did not know this until he pulled this up. Mostly because I didn't see it in the producer. Deliverance, working with Corrosion of Conformity. Huh. Like, were you, were you brought into the, when you were mixing, were you, like, what any any stories about that or working with a band or was it given uh, I to mixed, you afterwards? I mixed that at Electric Lady. Okay. Um, downstairs in Studio B. Um, and, it, you know, I was... I love that record. I just I love it too. That's you know, my my favorite like '90s that genre uh, record. Like, just sounds perfect. I like Wise Blood, but Deliverance better. I agree. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. Yeah, Wise Blood was like Deliverance, but a little less. And that was right still, after it, right? Yeah, it was the one yeah. right after. Those are the two that kind of like when they changed their sound. And Mike uh, Frazier makes that one, right? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, because. Um, yeah, I just had a, had a great time working with those guys at that point. John Custer, the producer, you know, we just... That's I'd, the name I'd I thought, with, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'd, I had worked with another one of the artists that he'd produced named Chris Whitley. Okay. Um, who was an amazing guitar player and, you know, just had that beautiful, amazing tonality. And right. just, I learned so much from Chris, who was retarded. But, you know, John really brought the musicality out of the band. And I think, you know, just like... Just mixing that record, you know, the Deliverance record, I think, you know, just kind of, I don't know. Was, there's days when you just know you're kicking ass. Right. And then there's days that are like, oh, I'm doing okay. Right. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and I don't really get along or I, 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 don't, I don't really feel this song or something like that. And I didn't have any of that with any of that record at all. I was nice. like, oh, this one's kick ass too. 
right. and I put on the next song. Oh, fuck, this one's amazing. You know? But like, uh, for I clean my sh- wounds. It was like, wow. What now? Clean my wounds. Oh, it's great. Come on, Albatross, all that's great yeah. stuff. Amazing, uh, epic, epic yes, songs. Yes, and they still sound great, too. Thank I don't you. know if you've ever seen yeah, them since they've well. been. Yeah. I should say about a lot of your records. But. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I try to do is mix music not for the moment, but for a classic sense of, of music because I want you 20 years from now. And, you know, it's been 20 years since I made those records. Right. And they still hold up. And so it, in 20 years, I still want them to hold up. I don't want to, you know, I was never a guy to follow fads. You know, like, oh, shit, you know, there's, it's high compression, fucking stupid volume time. Right. I, I still don't follow that fad. Yeah. I like music to be dynamic yep. and have depth. Right. I, I want to hear the reverb. I want to hear the delays in the background. Yep. I want to hear left to right. I don't want it to sound like it's, you know, an inch high and, you know, four inches wide. Not into it. Don't care about how loud it is. Right. I have a volume knob on my stereo or my Correct. phone no, I can't or stand whatever. The I know, you know what saying. I mean. Everybody does. Yes. So use it. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's right. But like in that situation, so the album was already done. They gave it to you to mix, correct? Or were you yeah. actually there during the process? No, no. That was I just mixed that one. Right. So, exactly. So that that one. Um, uh, is there ever yeah, ever to situation like that? Can the, does the producer hear the mix and then give you notes on what he wants to change? That's what I was curious about. How that works? Sometimes. Um, you know, like that one. He just you know here, do something. And then the band was all there, right? So, you know, the band would come in, I'd play the mix, they'd go, oh, you know, I would need more of this, less of that, blah, 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 blah. And I'd just push around some faders until everybody was happy. You know what I mean? Because at that point, it's still my mix, you know, and you can't become, like, so attached to it that you're not going to raise a vocal. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to destroy anything. It's going to make it better. And, you know, they're... You know, if you get a drummer that's always like, I need more drums. Right. Well, at a certain point, it becomes, I'm crying wolf. Yes. You know what I mean? Or the singer's always like, more vocal, you know? If the right. vocals are low, okay, I can see it. But, you know, there's a certain, you know, I, I look, I, I try to explain it to people and musicians of, just think of an aquarium. How much water does it hold? A certain amount, right? And yep. no more. You can't put one more drop of water into that aquarium <laughs> once it's now. totally full. Right. So now let's let's put dye and colors in there. Okay, right, right. red is the drums. This is blue is the guitars. You know, yellow is the bass. Whatever. Right. right? How much are you going to get in there? Right. You know. Well, if you want more red, then something else has to disappear and become yeah. less. So think about that. And as you think about that, let's you know listen to the song. Close your eyes and hear the and hear some colors. Exactly. Yeah, he talks about colors a lot of times in the music. Mm-hmm. You know, things sound. He, uh, is there, I, in that situation, you're given great songs to work with, to mix. Has there ever been a time when you were given something on the, the mixing end, maybe earlier in your career, where you're like, I don't know what to do with this? Or like it was very difficult to, to mix it? Yeah, I mean, earlier and later. Um, okay. You know, it, it still happens. Still happens. Um, <laughs> sure. There's, I, I always know you know what to do just mix the song you know and make sure that everybody has a good balance all the tonalities are good and you know that you can hear all the instruments and their nuances right that's the art of mixing period like you know it's not about you know making the vocals louder or thinner or more compressed or this or that or the other it's it's more about you know the whole that making that song sound the best that it can 
for that moment given. Because, you know, as I explained to my artists as well, that we're here for your moment right now. Right. Give me the best you can right now. In three to five years from now, you might look back and go, man, I can sing that song so much better now. Well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> because you've had that much more experience, yeah. right? That makes sense. So, yeah. Can we okay. redo it? No. Right. It, it is what it is. But at the same time, it's like, you know. It's beauty music because even, even for the listener, that moment in time, more than anything, music takes you back. Exactly. You know, movies don't do that. Television doesn't. You almost feel dated if they're not good. But music will always. So it, I know artists sometimes struggle with that, but I like it. I like the fact that you sounded raw yeah. and you grew, and I get to enjoy that progression. And you know, right, right. And you're and you're actually one of the few because you know people have a lot of opinion about <laughs> about music and what's good and what's bad and and what happened and this that and the other. And you know, recently talking about the Kiss thing, somebody one of the one of the podcasters said, you know, about Kiss and you know that. Uh, you know, so there's guys out there that are afraid of the band, and there's guys out there that, you know, that don't uh, don't understand the band. Toby Wright. And I was oh, like, boy. I beg your pardon. Like, what's so hard to understand about a band that wants to make a certain genre of record at yeah. at a certain point in their career? Right. You was, know what I mean? It's it like, obvious. Okay, I will help you do that. Fans. You may have discovered that. But I, that I have. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> They're uh, pretty simple people. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it simple, stupid. Come on. Hello. That's what it stands for, right? Come on. But, uh, That's what I've been told. So is it Action Kiss? I love, I love your, the record you do with them, my favorite band, but their fans are fucking nuts. Yeah, they're all, and they all have opinions. It's like, you know, this one's my favorite, that one's my favorite, this one sucks, that one sucks. It's like, you know what? Those guys as a band have kicked ass since before all three of them, well, not all three of us were born, but. A long time. Yeah. What, 50 years now? Right. Like, literally? Like, 46, 47? Yeah. Yeah. It's they crazy. Yeah. They wanted to do revenge on steroids or whatever. You know, they just wanted to amp it up, I assume. Go do it. I right. It was exactly. It progression from yeah. revenge. I really did. Yeah. Um, I was so pleased when it finally got a release. You know, it would have been nice to have an actual packaging put together for it. I would have liked a real cover. Yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, oh, like, like, yeah, the original one was, was awesome looking. Instead. But all yeah. I had at the time was bootlegs, and it was just like... Yeah. Uh, at the time, it was the biggest bootlegged record in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Who, 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 get, who put that thing out? Yeah, we know it was you, Toby. Say what? Yeah. Who put that th bootleg out? Uh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We all have our suspicions. Okay. All right. As do I. <laughs> but no. And it, it, is it true that you're... Oh. Is it true that you uh, uh, are going to be remixing the Injustice for All album this year? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely I, not. I think. I'm sorry. He, he told me you were no, over here. No, he didn't. <laughs> no, that... I'm on time right now, but... That uh, was... That was, um, that was put to bed by the band. Um, understood. You know, and, and they want to just leave history as it was, and, and that's a beautiful thing. And I but there agree was actually them. a conversation? Absolutely. Oh, we, okay. we started a big ruckus uh, about it um, because, you know, there was coming up on the anniversary of the record, um, and, you know, people wanted to hear the bass and all that kind of good stuff. Right. And, you know, James just, you know, said, no, we, we want it the way it is. Thank you, and thank you very much for offering. Yeah. And so, I, you know... I, I love that, that, you know, they just came up and said, okay, no. Okay. I, I think it's I great. Like you always have the regular record. You know, you don't have to George Lucas it and destroy the, the original masters. Right. But I'd like to hear, hear a remixed one. 
Yeah. A lot of people would, obviously, but it's but, okay. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, you know, are you going to repaint the Mona Lisa? Why not? Make, you know, make her make her tits bigger or something? <laughs> I mean, come on, you heard her first. You heard you know, her now. Big tits. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> are you going to do that because you're a fan of big tits? I mean, come on. You know, like I do like big tits. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> would you repaint the Mona Lisa? No, I get where you're going here. Exactly. I'm just so, trying to make it difficult for you. It is. It is what it is. Yep. You know what I mean? And history is what history is. This guy's got some great analogies. Analogies. He's got the Mona Lisa. He's got the aquarium. He's coming, <laughs> he's coming prepared. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. It's a pleasure. Hey, one last question. You know, yes, sir. Producers are somewhat, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of faceless as, as a profession, even though millions of people know your work, right? But when you come to an event like this, you are now being recognized and talked to, you know, because we're kind of the fringe. Is that kind of a, a unique thing for you when you come to something like this? It's like, hey, you're Toby Wright, you know, and like that kind of stuff. Because you probably don't get it like a regular rock star would out in the, in the world. True, right? not like that guy right there. Yeah. Oh, hey. <laughs> hey. The updated jerk sock. Woo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kenny Olson just showed up. <laughs> but I, I, I do get recognized, and it, you know it's it's kind of fun. Um, on. You know, for the limited yeah. people that show up. You know what I mean? I mean, I wasn't taking a shot. It's the nature of the business, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so. No, no, I didn't. I didn't think you were taking a shot. You know, it's like. Okay. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy. You know what yeah. I mean? He's been seen by millions on stage. Yeah. I haven't. I've right. just sold millions of, right. or helped to sell millions of records. So it feels good. It feels great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to sit here and talk to you guys about it is, is an honor. Yeah, right on. You know? Honor yeah. for us, too. Because to me, it's just a job. You know, and I love my job. I love right. making music, and I'll do it till the day I can't do it anymore. We think, we also thank you for being, uh, I think, a, one of the only three-time attendees. You come all three well, years. Yes, I am. So yes. you've done the trifecta of uh, Rock and Pod, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect timing. I didn't have that. It was. Yeah. But uh, we know you'll be here next year, too. Oh, all right. <laughs> what, is that? what is that for the four? Is there a term for that? The quad. Four? The quad? Yeah, there we go. Quad. Quadfecta. Quadfecta. <laughs> if it's not a word, it is now. It is now. That's right. We're Please put it. the quad. Done. All right. Trademark Toby Wright. Yes, yes. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you. All right, Jen. Thank you very much. Take care. You bet.
That was awesome. So um, I just want to open up the interview to, to talk about Saigon Kick. It's just simply, when is Love actually going to get here? Is there an ETA? I heard it's on the way. It's, it's first of all, how long will it be before a sub shop like Jimmy John's or Subway uses it as an, a, a lunch is on the way? Sure, 10 minutes. You know, it, right. I mean, we can give it a time. Okay. Uh, love never arrives, but the royalty <laughs> checks do. <laughs> Damn straight. Nice. All right. All right. Um, uh, when you're shooting that video, were you uh, pleased by the performances of the drummer and bass player? Um, we knew that we didn't want him holding a candle or a lighter and waving it back and forth. That had seemed like it had been a little bit derivative. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were, as harem girls as I like to think of them all, they were, uh, they were fantastic. Uh, how did they actually feel about that? Was there any kind of like conversation like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? There's... I don't, I mean, we... We were blissfully ignorant okay. making that record, like, and, and nor did we sit down thinking this is going to be a big hit, and watch what's going to happen, and you're going to hate doing the video for this mega big song. Didn't ent- we? We always made just whatever we wanted to make record wise. Right. So I don't know how familiar you are with like the first records, or but they're always pretty left and right, and had punk stuff and heavy stuff and avant garde stuff and pop stuff, and so it's just what we did. The same same balance of record uh, was on the first record as was on the second record. Sure. Um, now, you guys have gone back and played shows in the last few years together, but but not that long ago. There was some pretty bad blood between everybody. I know Matt Kramer had some, I don't know, let's just say not kind words to say about you. Same with uh, the drummer, uh, Phil. Uh-huh. Uh, how did uh, that reconcile, or do you guys say, we're not talking to each other, we're just taking a paycheck? They realized uh, they were wrong, and I was right. <laughs> That's the perfect answer. <laughs> no. Uh, we still don't get along. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm just of the opinion, like me sitting here tearing people apart, been done, boring, no one cares, I don't care, so I can't imagine anybody else would want to hear me gripe about inter-band squabbles. It is what it is. Yeah, well, I, I've been in bands myself. They're typically not as interesting as people probably think. No. The, you know, I mean, I am, of course, but the, yeah, band, right, right. the band, no. But... Uh, <laughs> The fights, the drama is actually very typical standard run-of-the-mill shit. It's so stupid that it's not even like a really fantastic argument, like where, oh, he took my Swiss bank account and ran off with my model wife, and then he took my yacht and crashed it into my Porsche. It's just dumb. It's just dumb. The same dumb arguments I guess everybody in the world has at any job, um, except it tends to get a little more amplified. So, but but you guys actually still don't really get along that well then, or not? Not in the slightest. I got a question. Uh, I love that. Florida. Florida. So I lived there for 10 years. And are you guys from Tampa or where are you from? Uh, the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. You're in the, okay. So that's right there. I was closer there, like West Palm. But like, I guess my question there is that, that uh, like Florida, you don't hear of that many rock bands coming from Florida overall. Right. Right. Was that difficult, like music scene wise? Because when I lived there, it was, it was, it was, it killed me because, as you know, probably. Not that many bands come all the way down south when right. on tour. So I just want to know kind of maybe some of the challenges coming up in that area. I've learned to see it as kind of a blessing because we yeah. were able to develop in South Florida and not in L.A. and not in New York where there's 8 million bands doing, you know, sure. ambient Norwegian punk. And there's a right. whole scene. And they're all rehearsing next to each other. And they all hear what each other's doing. Sure. Or in L.A., the metal scene at the time. or You know, we were kind of on our own. And Florida's really had some unique... You look at Florida, you have Miami Sound Machine, yep. Marilyn Manson. That's true, Marilyn's um, from there. You know, Tom Petty. forget Petty. about that one. Yep, yep. Um, so a lot of yeah. really death, you know, out of Tampa. Um, 
So you get you get a lot of real sabotage. Um, so it was really weird diversity of unique bands that came out of there, and I think that's partially because you weren't as inundated. Like you know, in LA, you know, there was floors of metal bands. Like you, I don't know if they organized them by year or whatever, but right. all rehearsing, all at the same shows, all playing right. the same, that's all kind of shopping at the same thing. Right, right. So I think there's a, there's a negative to that as well as a positive. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, just curious because it doesn't seem to be that much of a rock scene. While I was there for last, I, I don't think there is. Florida yeah. is like the same way with sports. Yeah, if you're they're winning, winning, they're into it. That's great, and if not, they're out because yeah, there's, there's, no one cares because there's so much other crap going on. I guess like, and no one's right. from there. That is correct. No, I so, was. Yeah, are you from? Are you from there? No, I'm from New York originally. Okay, yeah, that's why I was there for ten years, and I anyway. I'm but, a massive hockey fan. Okay, um, and I've adopted the Florida Panthers as my team. Sure. But, I mean, you know, you, you have a Rangers come to town. That place is full of Rangers fans. Or Pittsburgh or any other city. Yep, yep. It's because no one's... It's brilliant to put a sports team in Vegas because it's a destination for all the other fans of their teams. Absolutely. It's going to screw the home team. But, like, I mean, I know that that uh, I have all sorts of friends that have gone to see... Uh, I'm from Minnesota. Uh, the Wild play just because they want to go to... I get to see a weekend in Vegas, and I get over Vegas. So exactly. So, so that's a weird thing about Florida, right? Because I actually saw you guys. It was uh, I think it was called just called Rockfest in Tampa. It was maybe like four or five years ago, and you guys oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, opened. It was like uh, I think it was with uh, Event Sevenfold, when, and yeah, they, when they the didn't Sun, have right? the PA on for half the sound. Thank you. I was wondering if you because uh, I don't think there I'm was. Not a, a, I'm not a stickler for technicalities, but I I, <laughs> I feel like maybe. Having the PA on during a band set would behoove. So I, a I think I think there was no bass or dr- what was missing. No guitar, no no drums for the first. Yes, it was the, the most first, surreal thing I've first seen. First three of five songs we played. Yep, I was like, what am I listening to? Who the fuck is not in? Okay, okay. So you do remember that because when you're a mega act like Saigon Kick. <laughs> and you come to town, they pull out all the stops to make sure everything's so. technically flawless. <laughs> Have you? Uh, would you have more there? Or? No, okay. it was just a very unique situation. I'm, I'm, I'm unique is a nice way of putting too. it, huh? Unique is a nice way of putting yeah, it. That no, was. I, I guarantee you guys were so pissed. It was just like you know. So I odd. mean, I wasn't. I'm. I'm used to kind of. I go into life expecting a car wreck. Yeah. So when there's not dismembered bodies after anything, I'm always like, hey. I like that. That's that's a good you way know. to look at things. Uh, Excellent. And it's the music. Yeah. And the music business is really just a series of groin kicks. Right. <laughs> sure. With intermittent, like, oh, I didn't get kicked. Graze, just like right, right. next to the ball. A flick, right. just that kind just of. Just a flick, right. Uh, Matt, Matt, not Matt, uh, Phil Verone, your drummer. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you see the documentary they did on him? Did not watch it. That he did on him. What's that? I think he did it on him. Have you seen any? Have you seen his other movies? Uh, not really something I put high on my list of must rents. Uh, but hey, more power. Look, you know what? Is that Netflix? I, I don't. I, I, if they have a, a dark, a dark, dark web version of Netflix, um, uh, more power to whatever. You know, I got enough trouble running my own life, yeah. making my own decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? People do stuff and make decisions, and you know. The I enjoyed the documentary very much, and uh, I've heard him interviewed sometimes. He's, he can be okay. In fairness, oh, he's not. A, he's a smart guy. Uh, in fairness. That version of him, I never knew, because that all happened during really the Skid Row time. Yep. Um, when we were on tour, I mean, we would drink a few beers and fall asleep. We weren't like a drug band, you know. Um, so, you know, 
So I, I guess I know the answer to the next question, especially because you said you guys aren't really getting along. Um, I guarantee he's never given you one of his uh, dildos that are fashioned after him. I'm sitting on one as we speak. <laughs> Not a, I saw you moving a little bit left. Yeah. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, this comes up sometimes. Like I recently saw Extreme. They, they, were, they were great. But, you know, that's, that's one band that's known for, like, you know, an acoustic song, like your hit. Um, I guess what did you was that picked as the, the the main single? I guess what I'm saying is that it's a lot of challenges. Like a lot of people have no idea that extreme rocks like Van Halen, kind right. of. You know what I mean? That, like people got in even get to that song and they hear that record. And it's oh, I mean, I, I, there was literally hordes of soccer moms rioting at our live shows when they realized the rest of the album wasn't that. But you know what? I, I don't. I don't saying I don't care is not right. It was never part of my mental process. I make music I want to make. If I want to make a bunch of Barry Manilow tunes, that's oh, what sure. I'm doing. If I want to make Meshuggah tunes, that's what I'm doing. It wasn't written as a oh my god, let's have a hit. Um, right. That mentality wasn't we. You, sure. Because I mean, if we would have tried to write a hit, it would have failed miserably. We were in Mexico shooting a video for a song on that record called Hostile Youth, okay. with uh, the guy who'd done the Jane's Addiction documentary, Gift. We got a call from Doug Morris who's a legendary kind of record label owner guy. And he said, look, this station in Florida started playing this song, and it's exploding. Right. It's like selling 10,000 records a week at this point in a very small area, and it's number one in phones, and it's all this stuff. And he goes, and you guys have a hit. So it wasn't like we all sat down and drew up this plan of how to have it happen. Of course It kind of happened. Right. Um, And at the end of the day, it's a song I wrote, touched a lot of people, some illegally, uh, no, but uh, some, uh, and it's and the Catholic priest of hits, and oh, it's a God. good, and, 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 <laughs> a terrible quote, and it's a good thing. You know, what I mean, at the end of the oh, day, of it's, it, it, it's a good thing, and and I've been able to live my life to this point, making music and doing, you know, I don't have a day job, and being right. creative and dealing, you know, getting a jam with Dave and all these different, you know, yep. and uh, worked with tons of bands on our label like Nonpoint, Skindred, Carnival, Sick from the UK, and uh, I'm as lucky as you get. Right. Are you doing something with Jeff Scott Soto? I think yeah. I saw something. What, what is that? Jeff and I have been doing these kind of a... I hate calling it storytellers because it's really Jeff and I trying to make each other laugh. And oh, by the way, there's a crowd and we might do a song or two if we're not making obscure jokes. <laughs> Show. Yes. Okay. Um, we've known we, each we other... We do that pretty well. Right. Yeah. We've, we've known each other forever. Yeah. So it's been a real... I mean, it's such a goof to go, hey, do you feel like going to L, you know, being L, let's go to LA, let's go to Chicago. And strangely enough, the show's been selling out and people have been really digging it and it's been the most fun ever. Uh, and uh, so we've been doing a bunch of those shows as well. Uh, you, you coming towards Minneapolis at all by chance? Or? We hope to. I mean, we're going to Denver I, next I, week. I, I know I can probably find this out on the internet, but the, the no, no, I mean, I, I need to pay attention. We, we've done a few of them so far and they've kind of taken us by surprise. Um, not stadium surprise, but like people have flipped out, they've sold out. It's yeah, okay. great. So we're going to expand it, but he's doing the Trans Siberian Orchestra. Yeah, okay. Come the fall yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that whole season. And then I know he's got some stuff with Sons of Apollo, which is Mike Portnoy, Billy Sheehan, and yeah. Bumblefoot. But Bumblefoot, him and myself have talked about doing it more towards spring and doing a more robust version of it. We did some with Bumblefoot as well, and it's just been the most nonsensical, you know, fun I, I, I think I've ever had. No, I follow you on social media. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I just have one request. Can you can you lighten up a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> I decided a long time ago. It says I'm going to go in a song. Children are the future. No, yeah. uh, but I decided a long time ago that nothing I post on social media is going to be of any worth or value, other than making myself laugh 
and confusing people. Yeah. So there's people who know me who get, and then there's the people who don't know me who like everything I post is like a serious, like thing. I don't see how anybody can take them serious. I've gotten some amazing things that we should share with you about. Okay. Like I posted one. Uh, this kid who does my art creates these uh, me like gifts or whatever like of me on different yeah. situations. So he did one of like me as George Costanza from the Art of Seduction yeah. from the Seinfeld. You know he's wearing like the boxer shorts and he's on the and he did a really good job of it. So like this girl started texting me like I'm so proud of you not being fat shamed and being proud of your body and <laughs> and being able to do that kind of pose and I'm like this is fantastic. This is the whole reason the internet was invented. I have to agree. I think that's much funner than a lot of the other stuff out there, like the, the, when the people just get it wrong. No. Yeah. I, I, I've gotten this really bad habit lately, especially with my humor, is that when I'm making a joke that no one else gets, that's my favorite thing. Like when everyone's confused and has no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about, I've become addicted to that awkward silence, yeah. even in the live show. Like I'm happy when people laugh, and they do, fortunately. But when it gets so obscure that no one knows what I'm talking about, you get that like weird silence. Like you guys ever listen to Andrew Dice Clay, the Rick Rubin one, where he's in the like the little right. clubs just going nuts. Yep. That's my like, oh my god, the guy has just lost any, the entire plot, and it's so on the edge of like he literally doesn't know what he's talking about yeah. or where it's gonna go. Right on. That's my life philosophy. Silence. Embrace the awkward silence. And it's worked out great for Andrew Dice Clay in terms of career. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Certainly has. Uh, do you have anything else you want to promote though, before we let you go here? Just my love for you okay. and your uh, questions. Yeah. I'm, I've done interviews my whole life, and I've never felt as prodded. <laughs> uh, as thoroughly prodded. Well, Excellent. That's, that, that's, yeah, I feel very proud, I've, too. I've, right? I, I, yeah. I've, I've definitely, you've touched me in spaces I haven't been touched. The good thing is we only asked uh, eight of the ten questions you already get. Okay, you always good. get every time, right? Good. Thanks so much for taking the time, yeah, guys. Absolutely. Oh,
got to open up with coffee because I had uh, Charlie Benante on the show, and my sure. first question for him was, "Who has better coffee, you or David Ellison?" So, Mike, that's my question for you: Who has better coffee, David Ellison or Charlie Benante? Well, I'm convinced there is no better. There's just personal <laughs> preference. Anthrax or Megadeth? I don't know which one do you like. I think we're both probably top of the heap as far as quality and. Performance is just a matter of which one do you like. Do you go to the uh, A bin or the M bin in the record store? Well, see, I've listened to everything that Anthrax and uh, Megadeth has had. I've only had your coffee. I haven't had his. So okay. I, I need your expert opinion, though. I mean, you're, you're a coffee. Well, since expert. you've had mine and not his, then I guess mine so far is the best. Yes. So I should I, I should not even try his once. You know, if I even I can. No, you should, you should definitely try his. <laughs> you should definitely try his. Yeah. No, he he's got he's got good coffee. In fact, when I opened uh, the store back in Jackson, Minnesota, he hit me up about. Um, hey, give me in your store. Let me put my coffee in. And that was our initial aim with that, was to try to you know expand that out. Mm-hmm. It's a small little community, so we needed to kind of keep things localized. So we ended up doing a Jackson House blend uh, under my name. But all the blends and all the coffee we have there are <coughs> awesome coffees. Okay. Uh, do you, like for what you're brewing at home, uh, do, is, is there a, like a process you like to go through? Do you prefer beans? Uh, to grind your own? or Well, yeah, I always prefer beans myself because they last longer. Um, don't put them in the freezer. That's an old myth that does not work. Well, is uh, the fridge okay or not? Well, you know, just regular room temperatures. I mean, think about where they grow. Okay. They don't grow in the refrigerator. <laughs> right? Or in a, in a cold climate, they grow in usually a warm tropical climate. So yeah. it's okay to have them outside. Uh, the main thing, of course, try to keep them dry more than anything. So anyway, just in a bag or in a container. Um, for me, I, you know, on the road, I just got a great uh, French press, and it's a really, it's a brand new one. I don't even know, um, the lady who cuts my hair got it for me as a gift, and I've been using it on tour, and it's great. It's, it, it doesn't get all the extra little coffee sediment, you know, that comes into the coffee, which often happens from a French press. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, to me, is probably my favorite, uh, really authentic method of, of coffee. Um, at home, I usually use drip coffee, you know, mm-hmm. not a Mr. Coffee, but that type of style, yeah. you know. Um, and it's funny because in America, you know, as you travel the world, you really start to see um, the origins of coffee, how people prefer it. Usually when you leave America, for the most part, it's espressos. You know, the true Italian thing is you drink the uh, espresso shots, cappuccinos, and milk, milk-added coffees only in the morning, never in the afternoon. Um, and often, you know, they'll eat a meal and they'll just, you know, like, you know, have a little right. shot after after a meal to sort of pick them up and make sure they don't like fade after eating. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of you know. A good tip. So it's interesting how coffee is like that. But you know, in Canada, um, Canada certainly the U.S. and and Japan because Japan kind of tends to trend after us, uh, at least with coffee. Um, it's mostly the Mister Coffee, yeah. you, know, dr- you know, drip filter type of coffee so um we all have brought something to, i guess unique to the table with that and that's that's america's contribution to coffee sure uh, well, how many cups a day you drink <laughs> you know i um usually two i have one in the morning when i when i get up and then i have one in the afternoon like three four o'clock ish something mm-hmm. like that and then then that's it i'm done you mentioned Jackson, Minnesota. I was actually uh, not too far. For, I don't know. I forgot to tell you. I live in Minnesota, born oh. and raised. Um, so it's a big deal. Anytime we get to talk to uh, sure. Dave Ellison, right. um, 
But uh, yeah, I was actually kind of down in your neck of the woods, not in that area I'm from. I live in the Twin Cities. I'm from like Owatonna, if you know where that yep, is. Right um, but uh, I went to see one of your label uh, signees, the Ron Keel Band at Redwood oh, yeah. Falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's not quite to your place, but I think Jackson's closer to Iowa. But yeah, like we were just there la- literally last week. We were uh, we finished our uh, first run of base story. We did like a month of base story. Um, Shows around the More Life with Death book and mm-hmm. the Sleeping Giants album that's out now. Um, and we finished in St. Paul at the Turf Club. And then we snuck down to Mankato and played our favorite little spot there, the What's Up Lounge. Yeah. And, uh, and But we didn't go any farther. Did you go like, to Mettler's? <clears throat> I did not go to Mettler's. No. <laughs> that's a Minnesota joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we did go in to see the... Actually, these guys, I got the t-shirt on, 95 Rock. We went over to see them yeah. in Mankato. But I'm about... Like, if you went... And it's further kind of southwest, yeah. down off I-90. That's where Jackson is. Right on. Um, oh, well, enough Minnesota talk. Uh, one thing, uh, I wanted to brought Ron Keel because you, you have quite a, a broad base of bands on your label, EMP Records, mm-hmm. uh, or label group is what it's called. Yeah. Um, but you also have kind of been a, a, like a, a lot of uh, bands that kind of made their stake in the 80s. It, it reminded me a little bit of the movie The Decline of the Western Civilization where mm-hmm. it was like all these kind of like uh, Sunset Strip <laughs> bands and Megadeth. Right, yeah. right. Well, you know, it's, it, 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 well, as we start, as we right as we were sitting down, we were talking about Dollskin, which is a young all-female group that I saw play their very first show in my son's high school. Uh, the drummer was a senior, I think, that year, okay. and she was in the band, and they decided to play at this talent show. And I thought they were just fantastic, so I stayed in touch with them the next year or two. Finally, took him in the studio, produced an EP that we put out through um, a distribution deal through Megaforce Records, and that kind of came by way of when me and Frank Bello put out our first Altitudes and Attitudes okay. EP. Missy uh, over at uh, Megaforce had kindly offered us a, sort of a channel to, into her distribution uh, if we wanted to bring in, kind of imprint in other other things. And I'm, you know, pretty uh, progressive with that. I look for bands, I, things come to me mm-hmm. and produce. Um, so we initially started there. When I met my partner, Tom Hazard, um, who dreams up a lot of these crazy ideas while I'm out in my day, full daytime yeah. job as being a bass player and a rock star and knowing yeah. that side over there. Yeah. You know, I call Tom, we talk several times a day and he calls up and goes, oh my God, we got, how about we, you know, let's start, let's start a label. So we, we did. Um, we, we turned that Dalskin EP into an LP mm-hmm. called In Your Face again because the EP was In Your Face. Um, and then we put that out. That was the first one. And so initially I thought the label would be a cool way for me, like when I produce things, to have an outlet to put out my own productions. Because um, as soon as you produce something, unless you're hired by a label to produce it for them, uh, when you do sort of spec things, like I tend to do, I get passionate about something, I take it mm-hmm. to the studio, I produce it. You know, you then come out of the studio and you're very attached to this and you've put your creative work into it. Now you have to walk around the record business and with your tin cup and hat in hand yeah. and beg people for a record deal. And you, what I realize is everybody, I've done that a few times and enough times to know that everybody's got their own band or project or artist that they're in, in all enthralled in. And so I was like, you know, I hate this. I, it, 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 it's, it's like the, as soon as you come out of the studio, the train has run out of track and, you know, your enthusiasm dies and it, and it, it, it sucks. So I, by starting EMP Label Group, which is an acronym for Ellison Music Productions... Um, I wanted it to be very broad. I didn't want it to be just a metal label. Sure. Um, and even though Tom sort of positioned it a little bit like Victory Records, having its own brand, our own merchandise, and 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 that stuff, 
Um, I wanted it to be very broad, and and so as Tom and I would, yeah, here he comes. And as as we would talk about it, um, you know, suddenly, you know, every day he'd call me and say, "Hey, I got this, uh, you know, another another group that I think would be, you know, we should put out through the label." And, and it started kind of initially with metal stuff, and then it, yeah, then it turned into Mark Slaughter and to Ron Keel and. And um, can, I, can I ask how Flip got in the picture? They're kind of a local band that I got into a lot. Um, I'm talking to him. I, I've known Britain for a long time, and we're just kind of buddies. And you know, me and him worked on some stuff with TKO from Seattle and some other stuff. And you know, Britain just hit me up one day and said, "Hey, you want to do a Flip Greatest Hits?" I'm like, "Sure, with that." You know, right I love the band. I'm from the Midwest. Okay. You no, know, we're both. He's from Minnesota. I'm yeah. from Wisconsin. So it's kind Boo. of like our wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, right in our wheelhouse in the Midwest and, 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 and yeah. Minneapolis. That explains the wardrobe. Cheap shot. Where are you from? Yeah, that get up. Yeah. Minnesota. Twin cities. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Right. Uh, the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Switzerland down the middle. Yeah, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but anyways, yeah, so that's how Flip kind of just, you know, through being friends with Brent and, and, and <coughs> him just going, hey, let's do a Flip Greatest Hits. I'm like, you guys have hits? Like, <laughs> it's actually called the best of the worst of Flip, which yeah. I love. I will say this. You know, last week we had a really great, um, what was it, Sunday when we were at Grillman. Yeah. So a great, terrific heavy metal hamburger joint out mm-hmm. in uh, East uh, L.A., a town called Ham- uh, Alhambra. Um, where I'm very well known. In fact, uh, abattoirs from there, a lot, a lot of the... Um, uh, Armored Saint was kind of out east like that. So there was kind of two factions of, of metal when I got to L.A. in uh, 83. Uh, there was the Sunset Strip stuff, which, of course, was Quiet Riot, Motley Crue, Rat, mm-hmm. um, and made famous once Van Halen had moved in from Pasadena into the Sunset Strip. They kind of kicked that off as far as 80s rock stuff, because 70s, 80s rock. But, <clears throat> you know, we were at this hamburger joint, Grill Mall, the other day, which is a terrific heavy metal uh, hamburger bar. And it really hit me how uh, it just reminded me again of the sort of divided faction where our genre of thrash metal did not find our home on the Sunset Strip right. at all. In fact, when I met Dave, uh, I'd moved to L.A. and within a week I'd met Mustaine. And first thing he said, he goes, when we debut Megadeth, we are not going to debut uh, here in L.A. We're going to go up to San Francisco, where he, of course, had fame with, with Metallica. But they'd kicked around enough a couple shows in L.A. to know that L.A. was, that was not going to support our mm-hmm. cause of, of, of our music. So it was so cool to be out there. Because uh, I bring this up because you mentioned the, the decline of Western civilization, yeah, yeah. which was basically all, you know, Gazzari's club gone. Um, you know, the rainbow is, is a, a shell of what it used to be. It's basically a monument almost to the to the old days, the glory days of it. You know, we were having dinner there, and by 11.30, the frickin' dining room was empty. On a Friday. On a Friday night. I mean, usually in the days past Friday night, 11.30, that's when it's just getting going. Yeah. That's when all the hottest girls and David Lee Roth and Slash and Steve Vai and, you know, everybody was there, and everybody's going to the bathroom to, you know... <laughs> do whatever mm-hmm. you know and uh, you know that was just what it was and it's and it's funny because tom even when he got there in the late 90s you know i think for you you went there to go have dinner and do talk business yeah we went there to you know forget about business and like get down to business yeah by the time i got there there was not i missed the 80s i moved there actually kind of uh, you know, kind of in the, the first time in the kind of mid, like, 94. Then I was there for a year or two, and then I went back home. So it kind of took me a couple couple tries to get up there to stay, you know. And but I missed all the debauchery by, like, 
four years, you know? So, yeah. but it was cool. I got to be a part of, you know, the next wave of <coughs> Power Man 5000 snob mm -hmm. and corn and Human Waste Project and, you know, all those bands that kind of came up, had PE, that kind of came up out of L.A. So, I mean, it was cool. We had our own little scene, and I got to watch all that stuff, but it, it wasn't the same. I wanted to be there for that, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to be there for the decline of Western civilization. Yeah, you and you, me both. You know, but we missed it. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was in the movie. Yeah. Hence, space story. <laughs> Which I'm sure story. you guys noticed. Like literally half of our label now is people from the. Yeah, we were talking about just before you walked in. Well, trans that's actually what brought that up. Yeah, transition. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's very similar to that movie in the sense because. Yeah. Uh, well, not only in the sense that that was a lot of 80s bands, yeah. Yeah. and you guys really stuck out in that movie as far as being the only thrash representative in there, um, but your label is much more broad than that, but it's just kind of, you know, yeah. it has been a home for a lot of, you know, your Mark Slaughter, uh, yeah. I think I saw Dangerous Toys. Yeah, as we, as we did some Dangerous Toys yeah. reissues, and Jason's been a dear friend of mine for a long time, and, and we actually did reissue some of the Odin records, and... <laughs> You know, my previous label, I put out some records for Lizzie Gray, you know, Rest in Pieces, a, a dear friend of mine had just <coughs> passed away this week from London, and, and I put out some records with his Spiders and Snakes band, so it's funny, but The Decline, too, is such a pivotal, defining moment in my life, just as a fan coming up and coming mm -hmm. into business, that's funny, it's like now, it just, you know, I've noticed, like, our label, a lot of things just sort of pivot around that, you know. <laughs> well, as a, growing up in a small southern Minnesota town, watching that movie was like, it was it was like, you know, boner and raging. It's like, I have to do that. That's my yeah. life. I grew up in yeah. Green Bay doing the same thing. Like, I have to do that. You yeah. know, that and Motley Crue. And our new book, I literally talk about watching that and Motley Crue Uncensored and going, that's why I moved to L.A. Mm. Literally was those two things. And the doors are the things that made me move to L.A. <laughs> Dave, uh, before I forget, I, I would be remiss to ask how any update on without breaking HIPAA laws. How is uh, the Mr. <laughs> Mustaine doing? You know, um, I think he's you know he's going through his treatments right mm -hmm. now. You know, we've um, we put out a calendar with our whole organization about a week, a week and a half ago, and and I'd spoken to Dave about a week ago when we were out <clears throat> wrapping up our. Uh, tour and everything and and um, you know he sounded in good spirits and just going through it and um, but you know the nature of what it is there's you know it's it's a it's a kind of a, a daunting time yeah. you know what I mean and um, so you know definitely appreciate all thoughts and prayers to him I mean we're we're in our best optimistic view that you know we'll go through this he'll go through it and and um, we'll be up and running again, but you know, until that happens, um, you know, we got the cruise, which we kept that in place. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, we just added Lamb of God to that. Cool. Um, you know, I, I don't think there's a better heavy metal cruise sailing the high seas than that one, quite honestly. Um, Fair enough. So that's going on, but yeah. So you know, I think look, it, it's we're just kind of really taking it kind of a day at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time. You know, mm -hmm. just kind of see how the treatments go, and hopefully everything is successful. And um, but until then, we're just kind of walking through it methodically okay well uh, all the best to dave obviously yeah. from everybody um and much less serious news before i heard the announcement about that you guys i did hear you guys are working on a record was were you almost done where are you at as far as the progress of that you know last year was mostly just we we'd really cleaned all the vaults out by the by the time we did dystopia i mean there okay. wasn't one single riff or note laying around <laughs> anywhere so you know we when we when we finished up um the pretty much the world tour of dystopia back in late about november 2017 you know we we really just shut down for most all of 2018 to write and that was really everybody bringing ideas to the table okay. first time that kiko was involved writing 
Um, obviously, Dave and I have been through this process a gazillion times, um, and certainly bringing Dirk in, um, and he's written some really cool stuff for the album. And then, you know, when we got together back in May, I mean, keep in mind, and this seems like a long, distant memory now, but there was supposed to be an Ozzy Megadeth tour this summer. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, that, again, that even to me sounds like... Ozzy was, had to go to the bathroom. Sounds like that was years ago, but yeah, once that... <laughs> I mean, that was the first thing that kind of got kicked off the plate, which was, you know, was was um, immediately launched us into, let's get to Nashville and start working on the record immediately. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, right at that time, <clears throat> Dave got the news about the about his cancer so it was kind of like you know one just you know kind of a one-two punch right there but during that process we continued to work on stuff so um there i mean there, there's still work that needs to be done we have not started recording it um okay but we, we we're writing it we're doing a ton of pre-production on it and it's um you know taking our time dave doesn't seem to really be in a hurry with it i mean he seems to be kind of wanting to take his time and listen to it and sit back and listen to it and and i think that gave um, it, it gave us a chance for everybody to be involved in in some of the decisions with it, you know, not just saying, "Hey, you know, we got to get a record done. This is it. Turn it in." It's like, no, let's really be let's really be discerning and critical. I mean, Tom and I even talk about it all the time. I mean, this is this is this one's every record's important. Yeah. Um, but I think you know now, given the sort of obstacles in the way, um, I think it's it also gives a little bit of uh, human introspective to okay. maybe even lyrically. You know, some different things happen when, you know, you can't write a record if you don't have anything to say. Right. And suddenly, you know, sometimes coming off big successful records is not the time to be writing a record um, because you need to live some life experiences that give you something to write, you know. Um, and when you've just been sort of, you know, <clears throat> traipsing around Valhalla, you know, uh, you know, in your in your victory lap, sometimes you need to step back away from that a bit and have some life experiences to give you something to write about. So... You know, um, this could be an interesting season of things to actually have lyrics for as well. Cool. Uh, I'm definitely looking forward to yeah. it. Uh, they're asking me to wrap it up. So, Dave, cool. uh, Tom, I appreciate your time. Yeah. Um, let's see if you want to give a real quick. We should mention Sleeping Giants is out now. Uh, we got yeah. Tom on lead vocals, at least on one song. Or oh, no. A couple. Yeah, a three. few. Three. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. I yeah, no, there's three new songs. Uh, one is All Me. One is me, and, and uh, that's Vultures, which we actually, Max Norman just did a remix of that's coming out in a couple weeks. It's awesome. Cool. And then uh, Sleeping Giants is me and DMC from Run DMC, which we're actually, we just finished a video. We're going to drop for that next week. And then Hammer Comes Down is me and Eric AK from Flotsam, and that one's got Mark Tremonti on it and Chris Poland and Dave McLean and half a Sacred Reich. And, uh, yeah, and then uh, <laughs> our friend Christian Nair and uh, Hodor from Game of Thrones did a remix of Vultures that's wow. on there. Yeah, and then the rest is a bunch of cool. David had some songwriting demos with John Bush and David Glenn Isley. We put those on there, and then a, a handful of F5 demos. It's a really cool kind of retrospective of David's body of work outside of Megadeth. You know, there's been so much, and it doesn't get acknowledged that much. Or You know, it's always kind of been framed around Megadeth, and that was kind of what's cool about this was, you know, putting the spotlight on the, all the stuff. David's, you know, been a really prolific songwriter outside of Megadeth, you know, so it was cool to kind of take some of that stuff and put a, put a light on it, you know, and that's sort of what Sleeping Giants was. Right on. Well, uh, Tom, it's actually good to meet you. We've kind of had some close calls over the last couple of years as far as trying to arrange something, so it's a pleasure to finally yeah. put a face there. Uh, good to be here. Down, yeah. And, of course, Dave Elveson, uh, fellow Minnesotan and uh, member of the Big Four, mm. uh, bass player of Megadeth, and uh, an idol and icon. Just uh, what, a, what a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you. 
this is blank. And you're listening to Cobras and Fire podcast. And Rock is not dead. It's hiding right. right behind you. Don't turn around. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.